remembering how the ice at the roots of the sodden grass creaked beneath the back of her chambermaid's blouse, his face buried in the gathered folds of her apron. Smelling of honey and lye, her hands stroking his close-cropped head as she turned her face away and wept at how happy she was, if only for a moment. "'What are you dreaming about?' The doctor's voice broke into his warming reveries. "'Come over here and help me open up these stopcocks.' He did as he was ordered, letting all the girls' smiles flutter away like ashes up a chimney flue. Straining at the stubborn valves, he let one other hope step inside his heart. That none of their work here, readying for the gala ball, would require going down into the sub-basements below these, where the great roaring furnaces and boilers resided. He hated having to go down there, hated seeing the stokers chained between the fiery iron doors and heaps of coal, the shimmering heat revealing the stripes across their naked backs. Their eyes would turn toward him as they crouched over their black shovels. Their eyes would tell him, As you are, once were we. Steal but the slightest crust or bauble and join us here. Their extinguished voices would follow him as he fled up the spiral of clanging metal stairs, the errand accomplished that Herr Dr. Pavel had sent him on. He could hear them now, whispering far beneath his sodden clogs, as he gritted his teeth and strained to turn the most ancient of the spoked wheels another quarter turn. That's good. The doctor stepped back, wiping his hands across his vest. Anton, my coat, if you please. He fetched the swallow-tailed garment, lifting it from the hook by the stone arch of the cellar door. The horsehair-padded shoulder itched his own palms as he helped the doctor slide into its heavy woolen arms. Ah, an old man's vanity. He tugged at the lapels, gazing fondly at his reflection in one of the floor's puddles. When every day, gentlemen dressed as elegant as this, the empire was feared by Cossack and Hun alike. If you say so. Anton had no memory of such things. The doctor might have been imagining such faded glories for all he knew. We'll discuss it another time. The sad state of his assistant's learning was a topic frequently evoked, if never acted upon. Let's fire her up, lad. A job well done's the best payment. Anton watched as the doctor pushed one lever after another. Constellations of gears engaged about them, all enveloped in sweating vapour. Ratchet and piston moved through their limited courses, the clatter of brass and iron loud as church bells on a tone-deaf Easter morning. Splendid! The doctor bent his head back, gazing up enraptured at the chamber's damp ceiling. Do you hear it? Do you? Anton knew what those sounds were, barely audible through the commotion of the machinery driving them. He'd heard them before, every year's end, from when he'd first apprenticed to the dancing engineer's trade. To now, this last calendar page, so much draglier and tattered than the ones from all the years before— He pulled his own thin coat away from one of the jointed apertures, thrusting up through the ceiling's apertures, careful not to be snagged by its pump-like motions. All through the basement, more such churned away, up and down and at various angles, pivoting upon the hinges that he and the doctor had so carefully greased, like a mechanical forest, brought to clanking animation by the white gouts billowing from every quivering pipe. There they go thought Anton as he looked up at where the doctor gazed. He could see them without going up the stairs to the grand ballroom. The empty metal frameworks, like iron scarecrows, would be bowing to one another, then embracing. The smaller with the larger, just as if already filled by the evening's elegant guests, 
Already the mechanical violins were scraping their bows across the rosined strings. Closing his eyes, he watched from inside his head as each skeletal apparatus, jointed struts and trusses, cages shaped into men and women, took another by a creaking hand, then swirled across the acres of polished floor, just as though it were the music that impelled them, rather than clockwork and steam. She breathed into her cupped hands, warming the strands of pearls she held. There might come a day when she was old enough, with years of servile experience ingrained through every memory, that she would be entrusted to help dress their dowager employer. For now Giselle watched as the senior maids, some of them older than the bent and wrinkled figure upon whom they waited, busied themselves with the intricate laces and stays. Ah, you're too cruel to bear. Vanity and girlish affectations tinge the dowager.